Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Living Better in San Diego, a public service presentation of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. I'm Gary Lee. At Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care, they're all about comfort, compassion, and giving every patient the best possible quality of life. When it comes to hospice care, they believe it's more than just end-of-life support. Joining us this morning is Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care Vice President Susie Johnson. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. Good to have you on the show this morning. Glad you could make it out here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care. Well, thank you. Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care has been in the San Diego community since 1992. We're part of Sharp Healthcare, which is an integrated delivery system. Our program serves all of San Diego County from the uh, eastern border all the way to the north towards Fallbrook and everything in between. We care for people who are in the last six months or so of life and followed by a team of professionals, nurses, social workers, physicians, hospice aides, spiritual care support, volunteers, and lots of extra layers of love and care to help them through their journey. So tell us tell us a little bit about what hospice care is and what palliative care is, what the difference is. That is a great question, and it can be really confusing to people. So palliative care is always part of hospice, but hospice is not always part of palliative care. So specifically what I mean is that palliative care is uh, medical care and psychosocial care that can happen early in a disease process, specifically pain and symptom management, reduction of symptom burden, done by a team of professionals, palliative medicine physician, primary care specialist, etc. Hospice is specifically for people who are in the last six months of life or so, followed still by an interdisciplinary team, but very specifically focusing on the practical matters of -of end-of-life care. So to summarize it, palliative care is really upstream, from hospice care and can be provided early in a person's disease or as late as in hospice care. Okay, so you may have already touched on this and what we've already discussed, but what what is the mission then at uh, Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care? Our mission at Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care is to provide comprehensive interdisciplinary care focusing on symptom management, symptom burden, psychosocial support, and spiritual care support for people who are in late-life illness. At Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care, we have a home-based palliative care program called Transitions, which is to care for people who are in the last two to three years of life who are beginning to become symptomatic due to the advanced progression of their illness, say, for example, heart failure or COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or advanced stage dementia, those sorts of diseases, chronic medical disease, 
And we're really working with the patient and family on the very aggressive yet practical symptom management. Our goal in palliative care on our palliative care program is to help people stay at home, which is where they prefer to stay as they age. A couple things about uh, the transitions program in palliative care at Sharp is that we know that people say the things that matter most to them is that to maintain their functional status, so as much independence as they can, and also to maintain their cognitive ability, in other words, their ability to function mentally. So our palliative program through the team of nurses, social workers, and physicians really helps to organize the plan of care and care interventions, medical management, so people can stay home. Our goal is to keep them home, and our mantra is never in the emergency room, never in the hospital, unless it's planned or wanted. Hospice care, on the other hand, is for people who are likely to die in six months, who have chosen to go into a program where there's a recognition that there's no more disease modification that can be done. So now we're working on the practical management of physiological, emotional, and spiritual concerns for people who are nearing end of life. Our goal really is to get people who are, you know, six months away from end of life would be just perfect um, so that we can help manage what happens as our body begins to shut down and do different things. We use um, a technique called anticipatory guidance. In other words, we help patients and families understand what's happening now and what's coming next. We know that when people learn about what's coming next, and I'm talking about, say, for example, heart failure. In heart failure, people get short of breath and their legs get swollen and they don't feel particularly well. Well, we provide the practical management of how to reduce shortness of breath and anxiety and agitation and those things. That's what our team of nurses and social workers and so on can help with both in palliative and end-of-life care. So how does somebody get into one of the programs at SHARP? Any any special requirements? Again, you mentioned that, you know, for hospice care, it's six months, yes. roughly six months before the end of their life or what's expected to be the end of their life. Yes. What other... Uh, requirements are needed. For the home-based palliative care program, the patient's primary care or specialist has to make a referral to the program. At this time, we um, accept patients who have Medicare Advantage onto that program and on a case-by-case basis, Medicare fee-for-service. So one of the things that we haven't touched on yet, maybe we will, maybe we won't, is the payment methods for um programs such as home-based palliative care, payment from Medicare, fee-for-service is very limited. If you have SHARP Healthcare and you're in a Medicare Advantage plan through one of our three medical groups, you can ask your physician if you're appropriate for the transitions program. For hospice, the Medicare rules are that you are likely to die within six months and that based on the progression of your illness and a physician is willing to certify that that is, in fact, true. So uh, most insurance companies do cover, then, hospice and palliative care? Yes, insurance, Medicare and uh, private insurances or commercial insurances do pay for hospice 100%. Palliative care, yes, with some caveats. 
Okay. How Bolivia did that? It's kind of complicated. We'll okay. leave it at that. Yeah, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to go in there. All, into all yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, now, how long have you been uh, vice president at uh, Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care? I've had the privilege of working for Sharp for my really, literally, my entire career. I've been oh, okay. there over 33 years. Um, I was one of the original creators of the hospice program, along with several other people. In 1992, we became Medicare certified as a hospice program. And so I'm just very honored to have worked for Sharp for my whole career. That's great. Yeah. To be at one place all yeah. the time. That's, yeah. that's terrific. Thank you. Um, now, now, in your role as vice president at Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care, you've designed innovative programs and care delivery models to better serve the people at end of life, including the development and opening of several um, hospice homes in San Diego, right? Yes. We opened our very first home in 2001. That's Lakeview Home, which is in La Mesa. The idea for the hospice homes came about through our employees, actually, our hospice employees who recognized that uh, patients and families needed a place that specialized in end-of-life care in the final days and maybe weeks of a person's life, specifically when symptoms are getting out of control. And the kind of symptoms I'm talking about that happen near end of life tend to be things like agitation, anxiety, um, spiritual distress. They're very, very common and pain, depending on, on the diagnosis. So our staff said, you know what, we need a place where we can uh, take care of people 24-7 with nurses and social workers and so on. So really through the generous philanthropy of our community, we had our very first home donated to Grossmont Hospital Foundation. And from that donation, we began the creation of hospice homes. So Lakeview opened in 2001, and then uh, we... We did fundraising, and we opened our second home, Parkview Home, in 2009. And then we opened our third home, Bonita View, in 2014. So the Lakeview and Parkview are four beds each, and Bonita is six beds. We staff with 24-7 registered nurses and hospice aides, and then we have physicians and nurse practitioners and other members of the team who participate in the care of the patient and family. The average length of stay in the homes is very short. It's probably five days on average, although we've had some people stay longer and we've had some people stay shorter. So it's really for symptom management Mm -hmm. and really the end of life is really typically what the hospice homes. Residential care is not something we typically do in the hospice homes, although there is a need for that to be able to do residential care for people who cannot take care of their loved ones. Um, we have not really broached the residential care arena yet. Now, aside from these homes, you also do in-home care, right? Hospice care. We and, do. And you go to nursing facilities as well, We do. So most of our patients are cared for in their own homes. So our census today, 370 patients on sharp hospice care of which 355 or so are in either their own home or they're in a skilled nursing facility or they're in a residential care facility, which are also called board and care facilities. So most people are really being cared in their own home, and their caregiver is typically a family member. 
So family members have the responsibility for full-time care, which is another thing that's not really well known is who's going to take care of my mom when she becomes ill. And in our uh, healthcare system as a country, uh, the caregiving responsibility falls on family or you pay for caregivers. Right. That, that's really it. Um, it. It's not really well known because we don't think about how, how are we going to take care of mom as she ages because uh, it's not right in front of us until it's in front of us. And then we're all of a sudden saying, oh, my gosh. What do we do now? Now, what do we, exactly what do we do now? And then we find out, oh, my gosh, uh, I work. My brother works. We all work. Now we need to hire help. So um, caregiving is not funded under any insurance or Medicare at this time. Do you have people that that go to the home as well? I mean, you said that the in many cases it's family that's taking care of we, mm-hmm. the loved ones. But what about from Sharp? Do you have people that, that go and make visits? We do. So that's the hospice team. The hospice team makes visits. The registered nurse's job is to help establish the plan of care, and that's the medical management, and the, the nurse, the social worker, the physician or the nurse practitioner really help establish the plan of care. The nurse might come one to three times a week, depending on the severity of illness. Mm-hmm. Could come more, depending. Um, the social workers coming maybe once or twice a month. The hospice aid for personal care, up to three times a week. And then our other support services, integrative therapies, and so on and so forth. But really and truly, the burden for caregiving falls on the family. And while I'm talking about caregiving, caregiving is a very, um, very important role. It requires an enormous amount of uh, resilience and fortitude. And interestingly enough, um, caregivers have a pretty high stress level. They have a high burnout rate, and they actually have a pretty high mortality rate. Um, you've probably heard stories mm-hmm. of people who died, bef- the caregiver died before the patient, the person they were taking care of. And that that's because of the stress involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the, the different types of care sure. and, and services that you offer through SHARP. Um, tell us about the, the Veteran Hospice Services, the We Honor Veterans Program. Thank you for asking about that. So the National Hospice Palliative Care Organization and the Veterans Administration came together several years ago to create a program for hospice programs to honor veterans. It's called We Honor Veterans. And it's specifically a way to provide care and services to veterans in teaching the hospice staff the unique needs of veterans. So depending on what war a veteran was in can determine their psychological state of being. So part of it is teaching the We Honor Veterans program includes staff training on understanding um, the service, the branch of service the veteran was in and understanding what the unique needs are of the veteran and family, depending on what war they may have served or so on. Then we work with the Veterans Association to bring benefits that the veteran may not have known they had access to. We find that quite often veterans nor their family knew they had access to certain benefits. We also have done nice things like repatriate veterans with medals that they may have lost over the years. We also honor veterans through a veterans, we honor veterans service, which is uh, we use a volunteer workforce of veterans who've been specially trained to provide a thank you, in-person thank you to the veteran and family, along with a salute 
and yes. a certificate of gratitude, appreciation, and a flag. And these flags have flown on the midway. So we hear so frequently from family members, especially of World War II vets and now Vietnam vets, we never heard these stories. My dad never told these stories until our hospice volunteer vet did the We Honor Veterans service. And the reason for that is veterans have something in common that none of us have. They understand each other in a different way. So it's very heartwarming to be able, one, to bring services to people, maybe benefits that they didn't know they have, repatriate them with maybe their friends, lost pens and honors and that sort of thing, and then the salute. It's really touching. And all done veteran to veteran. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's a great uh, great service and program. Yeah. Thank you. Tell us also about, you mentioned uh, integrative therapies. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have a, a trained staff of, uh, actually our hospice aides are trained in integrative therapies, which can range from just simple healing touch to massage, hand massage, massage therapy, Reiki, reflexology, aromatherapy. We use these interventions as a way to bring comfort to people, a non-medical intervention to help people relax, meditate, and just generally have a better sense of well-being. What we have discovered through this process is that our family caregivers also benefit from integrative therapies because we offer integrative therapy services to them as well, recognizing that caregivers really carry a pretty large load on their shoulders. Additionally, we have music therapy Music therapy is truly a an intervention, a therapeutic intervention that on the outside looks like, oh, you know, you're playing the music that they want from their generation or, you know, maybe their favorite song, maybe a song that a husband and wife had at their wedding or something special that brings really special uh-huh. memories and emotions, while in fact there's a deeper effect that music therapy and actually integrative therapies has on people. It's to really help touch a part of our soul that we frequently forget about. Now, it's it's not all about end-of-life care at Ed Sharp, but you work with families and loved ones after one passes, too, and, and that's a part of your bereavement and support services. Yes, so we have a very robust bereavement program, and we offer bereavement services for up to 13 mon- months past the death of a loved one, If you are on our hospice program, you um, have access to both individual counseling and and group counseling. So what we've noticed over time is that as generations are shifting, um, people are interested in our online newsletter. We still have people coming to our groups. They meet new people. We've had people become best friends, date each other, marriages, you know, all kinds of cool things that have happened out of our group therapy. And, of course, individual therapy, which is really important because grief is a very real emotion Mm -hmm. that we should not ignore. Losing a loved one brings up a lot of maybe unresolved things that we want to be able to help people feel good about. And I, I think that a really beautiful thing about coming onto the hospice program is that we help people understand what's coming next, that anticipatory guidance. So really and truly, we're helping people grieve 
while they're in the moment of taking care of their loved one because the dying process and then death itself is not a surprise. And they were involved in the care. And we know we've done our job really, really well when our families come back to us and say, wow, thank you. I, I, I had no idea how unprepared I was and how you helped prepare me for my mom's dying and eventual death. That's nice. It's always nice to have that. And I wish I had that one. You know, I've been through a lot with, with my family. I've lost my brother and both my parents, and, and it's it's not easy. It's not easy. No matter how much you may be prepared for it, you think you're prepared for it. Exactly. And we, we, are, we spend a lot of time in our minds trying to reconcile what's happening, what happened. Was there anything I should have done differently? Mm-hmm. We're very interested in helping to resolve the moral guilt that people frequently feel. If I would have done this, I should have done that. I wish I would have seen this coming. So, you know, by having a team of experts who really help create the anticipation and this is what's coming next and and giving you the rah-rahs, you're doing a great job, we really help uh, alleviate some of that moral distress that people feel. Right. That's what we want to do. Which is is needed. It's very needed. And also, you know, the medicating people as they're nearing end of life, and I'm talking again now about agitation anxiety, and some of these other things that people feel. We're, we don't know much. I mean, we as, as just uh, consumers out there, we think, well, I'm going to over-medicate my mom. I can't give her that much medication. Uh, I don't want her to die of an overdose from morphine or something like that. A hospice helps alleviate all of that and say, no, this is the appropriate use of this medication or these medications. We'll help. These medications actually help reduce the symptoms that your mom's feeling, and that helps reduce the guilt. Now, you have a, a a big event coming up. We have just a few minutes left, and I definitely want to touch on this. You have a big event coming up later this month. It's your annual benefit dinner and regatta. Uh, when is this going to be held? The regatta is held on August 23rd and 24th. Actually, the regatta itself is August 24th. The dinner is August 23rd at the Hotel Dell. The dinner is sponsored by Sharp Hospice Care and Grossmont Hospital Foundation, which is our philanthropic arm for Sharp Hospice Care. And on Saturday the 24th, in collaboration with the Coronado Yacht Club, who's been a partner of ours for so many years, and the Cortez Racing Association, um, we have the biggest water event in San Diego every year on the bay on August 24th. And that is... A actual race that's hosted by the Cortez Racing Association, probably 30 or 40 race boats. I'm not sure yet this year because we haven't gotten them finalized. And about uh, 35 or 40 spectator boats. Those are all volunteers, boats who, I mean, I'm talking big boats. I'm not talking like little um, sabots. I'm talking big yachts oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that hold a lot of people. And uh, the community really comes together to support this event. And so we will host about 600 people at the Coronado Yacht Club on Saturday. We'll host 600 people at the Hotel Dell for the dinner on Friday night. And the dinner is really where we make our, do our biggest fundraising, which is to raise funds for our homes for hospice and also for our hospice general fund. Okay. So that's where the money, that's where it's going. Yes. So our homes for hospice campaign, Two things there. One is to um, provide philanthropic support for our hospice homes, uh, ongoing support for the homes, and to help us build our fourth hospice home, which will happen someday. 
And uh, how can people get tickets to the event? So they can get on sharp.com and enter regatta, and they'll find the information that they would be interested in. And and if somebody can't make it to the event, but they want to help you with your Sharp Hospice Cares Homes initiative, how can they do that? Same thing. They can get on sharp.com and put in hospice, and it will take them to the uh, areas where they can give, donate um, philanthropically. And we appreciate that because all of the money that is given to Sharp Hospice Care, dollar for dollar, goes right back into patient care at some point. Okay, and what about volunteer opportunities? We have like a minute left. Sure. Uh, any, uh, what kind of opportunities do you offer? We do need volunteers, Sharp Hospice volunteers. Again, you can get on the website and look that up. Um, we have volunteers who do patient care. We have volunteers who work in our office. We have volunteers who provide transportation for our hospice patients. I mean, just so many different things. Volunteer at our hospice homes. And we uh, do volunteer training about four times a year. It does require about 24 hours of training, specific training in hospice. So that commitment has to be made if you're interested. We have about 150 volunteers. We could probably use 100 more okay. easily. Any, any special training or requirements? Well, our volunteer workforce goes from teenagers all the way to senior citizens and everything in between. Um, you will have to pass a few things that Sharp requires employment-wise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Susie, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thank you for all you do, uh, for the great work you're doing for families in San Diego through Sharp Hospice and Palliative Care. It's appreciated. Thank you, Gary. That concludes another edition of Living Better in San Diego. The opinions expressed on Living Better in San Diego do not necessarily reflect the opinions and views of the staff and management of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Episodes of Living Better in San Diego are available on this station's website. Join me next week when my guests will be from the San Diego Seniors Community Foundation. Until then, I'm Gary Lee. Have a great week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.